You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Our title this evening, World Events Show Christ Will Return to the Earth. Firstly, we live in a troubled world. There is a pandemic, COVID-19. And it's interesting as to what is really happening with that problem facing every country, every person in the world. It involves people to stop and consider where they stand. For the Bible student, it's giving time that he might open wide the pages of the Word and consider his position in the light of these things. There is the threat of war between Russia and the Ukraine. It is a very involved state of being, so much so that if war does take place, then Russia won't just stop at endeavouring to reclaim the Ukraine, but she will have her eyes upon the Baltic states, which of course was all part of Russia in the days of Peter the Great under the Romanov Empire. There are extreme difficulties between China, the United States of America and Taiwan. There are ongoing difficulties with North Korea. Now, that is but a few of the problems which highlight a troubled world. Now we'd like to just ask a few questions that might endeavour to set this lecture on a basis. And don't worry about having to answer, I will endeavour to do that myself. Firstly, how does a world in turmoil relate to our lecture title, which is World Events Show Christ Will Return to the Earth. Well, it doesn't relate. Because one is from the world, the other is from the divine word. And there is a difference. What is meant by our title? That is, world events show Christ will return to the earth. Well, it's really showing that Almighty God will determine the time when Christ will return to the earth. Now, if you've got your Bibles open from that 72nd Psalm, in verse 1 we read, Give the King thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the King's Son. 
Now, what this is doing, it's bringing to our attention that everything is in God's hands. And when sometimes we think it would be good for Christ to be in the earth now, Almighty God mightn't have the same feelings or the same thoughts or to carry out the same actions. And so this is heightening to us that all things are in God's hands. The next question is, what will Christ do? The Lord Jesus Christ will do what the world cannot do. At the moment, you've got with Russia and the Ukraine, you've got the nations of Europe, you've got uh, uh, the Americans, all endeavouring to put their case to the Russians. But that's not the position of Christ. You see, in that reading again from the 72nd Psalm, we read, He shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. Which means the Lord Jesus Christ will destroy any opposition. He will establish, as the 72nd Psalm has pointed out, the kingdom of God upon the earth. That's what Christ will do. The next question, why is it that world events will have such an effect to cause Christ to come back to the earth? The answer? The timing is from his Father and not from the world. It is God who will make that decision. You see, there's no doubt what this world needs is wise guidance. In fact, perhaps one who is able to rule effectively. Perhaps it's a king. And that's what is really needed. It's not a matter of being able to sit down and to argue with Mr. Peton or to take matters up with China over the taking of Taiwan. It needs a statesman, one who's prepared to make decisions and not to be a paper tiger and to remove oneself. And so this world needs wise guidance. In fact, I've got the notes here to say a king. Our 72nd Psalm says, one who is prepared to rule in righteousness. The 
king is generated not by his own interests, not by one who is insensitive to the needs. It would actually, it's, it's one who is, who is uh, sensitive to the needs and welfare of his people. He's also one who is able to make proper and wise decisions. One who has the ability to put them into effect. So the answer is that the Bible speaks of such a man, namely Jesus Christ. He was trained from his birth, from the destiny before him to be king of the world. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, the wise men which came from the east, they came inquiring of where he is that is born king of the Jews. At the end of his ministry, at 33 years of age, as he was brought before Pilate, the Roman governor, the Lord Jesus Christ was asked by Pilate, Art thou a king? He replied, To this, to this end was I born, and for this cause I came into the world. And we have that in John chapter 18 and verse 37. After his crucifixion and burial, Christ was raised from the grave and ascended to his Father in heaven. As he ascended, his apostles were told by the angels in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. You see, the coming of Christ was one of the main features of the apostles' teaching. And you find that in Acts chapter 3 and verse 21. The apostle Peter says there, And he, that is God, shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution or restoration of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now that is a layout, respected friends, of the minuses and the pluses. It's the hope of the Bible for Jesus Christ to return to establish God's kingdom. As far as this world is concerned, they really have no one who is capable of being a statesman or being able to bring about society in a manner of acceptability. It's interesting. When war is spoken of, the media asks the question, is this Armageddon? However, the Bible is very clear 
in Matthew 24 and verse 36, that Almighty God only knows the time when he will send Christ back to the earth. We read there, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now God's plan for this world has never altered. It's never changed. He will establish upon this earth his kingdom with the Lord Jesus Christ as king. So while turmoil abounds, Almighty God continues with his plan to establish his kingdom upon the earth. Consider the toll that warfare has on human life. For instance, in 1920, following World War I, the League of Nations was formed with its headquarters in Geneva. It was designed to act as an arbitrator between nations who were at variance with one another so that a peaceful solution to disputes could be worked out. However, it is sad to say that war has not prevented and the League closed its doors. So with the failure of the League of Nations, they followed after the Second World War another attempt of gathering nations to arbitrate on the, uh, on the points of rulership. And so in 1945, the United Nations came into being. It is said at that time that if the United Nations fails, we see nothing but a stark disaster for mankind. And this warning was a graphic reminder of the inability of nations to live in peace with one another. Now some 76 years on from the formation of the United Nations, we are now seeing the growth of ethnic communities, border tensions and acts of war between countries. In the Middle East, there's been serious unrest. It's prevailed despite many attempts to find a peace plan. The war in the Middle East shows no real sign of ending. And every day brings more news of suicide bombers, the devastation of roadside bombs. In addition, those engaged in the so-called war against terror warn that terrorists could strike at any time and anywhere. So while at the same time the United Nations is caught up in its own concerns about possible corruption and the need for internal reform, these problems in the Middle East continue. We have a world in turmoil. There's no nation exempt 
we find that the prophet Isaiah, who incidentally also lived in times of violence, stated in Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 19. In fact, if you'd like to turn there, that's Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 19. We read, I create the fruit of lips, peace, peace to him that is far off, and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. So we've got a position here from Isaiah that only peace can come from God. And at the same time, we cannot make peace by going to war. Nor can mankind achieve peace without God's help. The Lord Jesus Christ put the whole matter in his proper perspective when he declared in Matthew 26 and verse 52. He says, put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish with the sword. He also said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so we find that the nations have not given heed to that appeal from the Lord Jesus Christ. So much so that over the last 20 years, world troubles have increased alarmingly. There has been the rapid rise in crime, robbery, child abuse, drug taking, corruption in high places, immorality, breakdown in marriage and many other social ills. In fact, law enforcement bodies freely admit that the escalating rise of crime has outstripped their capacity to control them. In other words, we can say, apart from saying that the world is in turmoil, we can say that the world is out of control when it comes to these difficulties and problems. In fact, here of Perth, we have the dubious honour of one and a half murders per week. Now that's unheard of some years ago. But today, whether it's the pressure from COVID, whether it's the pressure from the, the, uh, the problems dealing with uh, life generally, there is that figure of, say, one and a half murders per week. So we are not only living in a world out of control, we find that human rulers 
are unable to either curb or solve the destructive issues of the times. So human nature has not changed. The Bible speaks of a time when everyone did that which was right in their own eyes, as we read from Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. And that is precisely how people want to live today. They don't want moral restraints. They want no criticism. And to give the endorsement to that, just think of the outcry when the Premier of the state, who obviously knows better than, than, than we, was not prepared to lift the gate and allow free travel or allow travel between the East and the West. But that wasn't going to suit the biggest percentage of this state. We find that human nature has not changed. The Bible speaks of a time when everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. And as I said, that is precisely how people want to live today. With no moral restraints and no criticism. Yet the time spoken of in the book of Judges brought forth divine judgment because the people failed to honour the laws of Almighty God. So what then is the salvation or remedy that Almighty God has for a world in distress as we have today? I want to go to Luke chapter 17. And in Luke chapter 17, we have a discourse which takes place between Christ and the Pharisees. Now the discussion centred on the return of Jesus Christ to the earth, as you have in verse 20. Well, actually we'll take it from, from verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is, the margin is correct, among you. Of course, the one that was among them was Jesus Christ. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And that really is the situation that we have faced for the last period of a thousand or so years. At various times over the years, we felt that it would be suitable and very much needed that God should send Jesus Christ back to the earth. But he has not appeared. And so we read that, And he said unto the disciples, 
The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. And he goes on and he deals with the 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 uh, the, the thoughts of, of that which would see him coming into the earth. And then he says in verse 26, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, in verse 28, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they said, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, in answer to the Pharisees, gives two examples. The days of Noah, the days of Lot. Now, what do we see from these two examples? Well, we see that people lived their life. We know by going back to, to uh, Genesis chapter 6 that, the, that it says there, the earth was corrupt before God and the earth filled with violence. Moral corruption and physical violence were the two features of the days in which Noah and Lot lived. And it's a state of affairs very much in evidence today. In fact, the, as we have said, the daily news reports are full of murders, rapes and robberies. You know, the, the extent of this violence was reported in the Adelaide Advertiser, which reads, more people are on death row in the United States today than in any other time since records were started in 1913. Another article declares that the armed conflicts have taken some 21 million lives since the end of World War II, with about 4 million troops fighting in 75 countries. In fact, whatever sphere in which man is involved, violence is to be seen. What is the cause of this violence? To find the answer, we need to go no further than in the inherent nature of man. As we read in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 19 to 21. So if you'd like to turn there, that's to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. We read, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which of these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things 
shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's the state of affairs that, that the Apostle Paul speaks about when he writes to the Galatians. It's the state of affairs that we witness in the earth today. You know, in Elpis Israel, page, um, page one, chapter one, we read this from the writings of Dr. John Thomas, where he says, revolving upon its own axis and describing an ample circuit through the boundless fields of space, is a planet of the solar system bearing upon its surface a population of over, in those days, a thousand millions, subject to sin, disease and death. He goes on that at the head of all these is a creature like themselves, animal, sensual and mortal. He's called man. He has replenished the earth and subdued it and filled it with his renown. His crimes, however, rather than his virtues, have illustrated and distinguished him with an unhappy preeminence above all other created things. His heart is evil, and left to its uncontrolled impulses, he becomes licentious, merciless, and more cruel than the fierce, fiercest beasts of prey. So there's just a thought there from Dr. John Thomas, writing back in 1849. And that was to a, to a world then. How would he be writing today? And so, what is required? We've seen from our lecture title, World Events Show Christ Will Return to the Earth. What is required? What's required is a change. A change that is needed. The remedy that Almighty God has for the mounting troubles of the world of the world lies in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to rule the world in righteousness, justice, and peace. Now that is what we would call a change. That's what is required. The Lord Jesus Christ prophesied in Matthew 24, verses 7 and 8, that the things in the world will get worse before they get better. He foretold that turbulent and chaotic conditions were coming. As we read, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Perhaps the Lord Jesus Christ had an insight into our days. Now the other thing is, the Bible gives us the assurance that when Christ returns as king, God's will is to be done. 
And God's kingdom is to be the supreme and only power. A kingdom based on the true principles of righteousness, justice and peace. In the days of Moses, some 1600 BC, God revealed that he would establish a political kingdom upon the earth. We read of that in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Hence the nation of Israel became known as God's chosen people. Now this promise that God had made in the days of Moses was continued to the times of King David, 2 Samuel 7, and to the days of Solomon, 1 Chronicles 28. The kingdom that God spoke of was a theocratic kingdom. That is, a kingdom over which it was God's intention to preside as the true king. But the throne on which mortal man would reign in his name. That was the divine intention. But it was really doomed. When the people of Israel decided that they wanted all power and authority vested in a mortal ruler whom they could see, and thereby they rejected God's reign over them. And you'll read of that in the second of Samuel chapter 8, verses 20 and 21. We want a king like all the other nations, was the cry to Samuel. Thus the kingdom of God on earth failed with disastrous results. The kingdom of Israel was overturned. And as we read from Ezekiel chapter 21 verses 26 and 27, the diadem was removed. Things were taken away. And it would remain that way until one came whose right it was. And that is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This descendant is the one promised by God, namely the Lord Jesus Christ, who will come with power and divine authority. In the opening words of the New Testament, as we have in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so once again, we see, respected friends, the promise of Jesus Christ, the promise of a king who was to rule in righteousness. Now, the Apostle Peter, in Acts chapter 2, verses 29 to 31, Leave no room for any doubt. So if you go to Acts chapter 2 and verses 29 and 31, we read there, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us 
unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Now that's the promise. That's the one that we look to. Who in every particular will be a man who has the divine ideal. He is able to rule. He is to he is able to bring about the kingdom of God. So we, we see here, respected friends, that this kingdom with the Lord Jesus Christ as King would would reign for ever and ever. It would be a kingdom that would not be overturned. As we have read from, say, Ezekiel chapter 21. And so the Apostle Peter leaves no doubt of what is going to take place. He says, therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath. And of course, in our reading of, of, of Psalm 72, to which we'd ask you to turn, we have one of the most beautiful and dramatic accounts of Christ's, of Christ's future reign as king on the earth. So if we turn to Psalm 72, and we read there, that not only to give the king thy judgments in verse 1, but he would judge thy people in verse 2 with righteousness, thy poor with judgment. The mountains would bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. And so he carries on and he, he makes the point in verse 3 or verse 4. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mowing grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow for him and his enemies shall lick the dust. And so he continues and he shows that all nations will submit themselves to him. And of course the result is in verses 17 and 18, where there will be peace forever. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled 
with his glory. Amen and Amen. And so here is the result of placing upon this earth one who has the wisdom and the power to bring to pass that which is required by his Father, Almighty God. And of course, the results of all this is to be seen in Isaiah chapter 2 and verses 2 to 4. And one uh, again, turn there, that's Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 to 4, where he speaks of peace. He says in verse 2, It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. See, Isaiah is presenting for us a picture of the results of the divine ways being instituted in the earth. God's promise is to those that hear and who walk in the ways of his laws and commandments. Although the Lord Jesus Christ will reign as supreme monarch over the earth, he will not do it alone. And in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 28, we have the record that the Lord promised his 12 apostles that they would also sit upon thrones, all who learn the true message of God's word. They will also reign upon the earth. And of course, we find that in Revelation 5 and verse 10. And so, respected friends, we find that not only will Christ bring these things to pass, he will have his 12 apostles and he will have those who have stopped, considered and obeyed the word of God. They also would be part of the kingdom age. And that's why in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10 we read, Thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. In other words, the word of God gives us the assurance that when Jesus returns as king, God's will is to be done. God's kingdom is to be supreme and only power. A kingdom based upon the true principles of righteousness, of justice and peace. And so that is the story, respected friends, that commenced when we looked at world events show Christ to return to the earth. Now those world events will be decreed not by us, not by the world at large, 
they will be endorsed and brought into being by Almighty God. Our opportunity is to hear the word of God and to obey it. For us who are prepared to do that, there is a promise. And that promise is that we might be part of the kingdom of God in the future period of time with the return of Christ. Now, respected friends, does that disappoint us? Do we, for us to say from this platform tonight that the return of Christ is tomorrow morning? We can't say that. All we can look for is the coming of Christ and the kingdom of God to be established. And that's, if we are doing that, then we are preparing ourselves for when Christ does come. You see, we mentioned that with Russia, Mr. Putin, before he moves into the Middle East, he must become king of the north. Or, I'm not really, I shouldn't really say Mr. Putin is to be king of the north. We think he will be. But what we do know is for the king of the north to come down, then he will do so with the northern hemisphere, with the nations of the north, all at one. And today, they are not. And so we take great encouragement from what we see in the word of God, that we have an opportunity now of looking at God's word, of endeavouring to be a people prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a joyous time that is for the young and for the old, for the young to say, right, we, have, we are given time to consider those things we speak of the coming of Christ. And so with our lecture title, which of course world events show Christ will return to the earth. Those events are taking place, but there is still a long way to go. And for us, we have that opportunity to be part of those associated with Christ in that coming, which we expect to be very soon. Thank you very much.
Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.